You're listening to the City World Radio Network, high-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world, www.cityworldradio.com. Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. This is Kathleen Smith, and I'm the founder of Morph Mom, and welcome to everybody who's coming back tonight, and welcome to all our new listeners tonight. What a great night to join. If this is your first night, we have an amazing guest with an amazing story and something we can all take something away from tonight. And before we get in, I promise it'll be fast, I'll give you a quick update into what you've gotten yourself into tonight. I founded Morph Mom, which is M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com again, for those of you who are new, about six years ago. Um, I'd been a prior prosecutor, and I'd stopped to raise my kids. And what I thought would be like a six-month furlough turned into 14 years. 14 years later, I couldn't figure out what to do. I couldn't go back. And I literally had no idea where to begin. So rather than reinvent the wheel, I decided to go out and interview women around the country who could share their stories, who had sort of gone through this experience, figured it out, and 
sort of gone ahead with what they wanted to do and how they did it and the steps that they took. And usually, most importantly, the steps that didn't work. And I always thought that was really one of the most important things to find out what not to do as opposed to what to do. So I traveled the country for six years. We have over 800 interviews from all over the country. You name it, I've covered it. Whatever the story is, it's up there. Um, I started to write for Huffington Post to share the stories. We started hosting cocktails around the country to have these women meet each other in these different cities around the country. Um, We used to have this radio show now every Thursday night where we share these amazing stories. We have classes, which are great. And one big announcement tonight, which I'm thrilled to share, is we have an upcoming conference on October 22nd in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And what's really interesting tonight is not only do we have this conference on October 22nd, but my guest tonight is one of our speakers at that conference. So, Christine Figliulio, I'm so excited to have you here. It is an absolute honor. She's the founder and CEO, I guess, of Creations by Christine, which is an event planning company that she founded near Ridgewood, New Jersey, uh, a former HBO producer, a mom who sort of redirected her track, um, having had the family and found out what she wanted to do. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're also going to talk about on October 22nd in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And if anyone's interested in coming, and I promise you, it's not about me. It's about all these amazing speakers. We're going to have that their day, that, that day, who will be sharing their journeys and the steps that they took the steps that work, the steps that didn't work, um, go to morphum.com, M-O-R-P-H, M-O-M.com, and register today. I promise you, you will walk away with a, just, it's a memorable day, an inspirational day, and uh, tidbits that you can use for the rest of your life. So without further ado, um, Christine, it's an absolute honor to have you here tonight. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kathleen, and it's an honor to be here, and um, even if I didn't know about Morph Mom, I would definitely sign up just by that introduction because it sounds amazing, and I'm honored to be a part of the uh, the conference on October 22nd, so thank you again. Well, thank you, cause, and the reason that Morph Mom exists is because women like you are willing to share their stories and their journeys and the steps that they took. When When I began this, as I said, it's because I was kind of lost. I had no idea where to begin or how to begin or, and I would type into the computer, like, how do you, and you just can't get an answer and you feel so strange and you feel so lonely. And so I'm forever grateful for the women like you who come to Morph Mom and share your stories and your journeys and help others to figure out what to do next. So with that, tell us about your journeys, how you began at HBO and how you are now running a hugely successful company now with event planning. Okay, so um, back in 1986, I graduated from college, and I was fortunate enough to get a job in the field that I had studied. So it was broadcast journalism, so I got a job at HBO, and I was all excited, thinking, you know, I'm going to start, you know, doing promos and, you know, all these big, big, you know, uh, promo spots and, you know, big productions. And I started off in a, uh, a very just an entry-level position, but it was probably the best thing in the world um, because I learned the process. There is a process, um, and I had to do that in order to build up, you know, where I actually wound up 11 years later um, at HBO. So it was just fantastic because I had to assist writer-producers and get all their stuff together for their edits, and I remember one day looking at them, and they were all so busy, and I said, I want to be busy like that. I want to be so busy that I don't have time for lunch. Well, you know, be careful what you wish for, (laughs) because it did actually happen, um, but I still loved it. So 
at HBO, I was producing 30 second and 60 second spots and some infomercials and things like that. Uh, It was fantastic. I love the process because there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. Always creative, always different, and then you moved on. So it was never the same old thing. It was not a nine-to-five job. Uh, it was you know a couple of times a month. I was working 6 p.m. to 2, 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, luckily, I was living close by. I was in Hoboken, so I would just take a car service home and you know do my thing. Okay, fast forward. I get married, 1992, wonderful, planned my wedding, no issues, loved it. Again, it's creative process. This is easy. I got this. A couple years after that, get pregnant. And um, my husband and I were discussing, you know, what are we going to do? Chris, what are you going to do? You have this crazy schedule. And I started to really think, what am I going to do when I have a family? I want to have children. I want to be home with my children. And what am I going to do? Because this schedule is not friendly, you know, family friendly. It was very much about working, you know, 15 hour days sometimes. And so I started to worry. I started to really worry a lot. And um, I was about three months pregnant. And my mother said to me, very, very simple. And I'm going to share this because it's, it's such a simple statement, but it made all the sense in the world. She said, leave it in God's hands. And I said, what does that mean? I was just so much of a planner. You know, and she said, you know, when you plan, God laughs. And she just kept saying to me, don't worry. It will work out. Everything always works. And I said, okay, I'm going to try not to worry. But again, I'm a planner through and through. So I right away started researching, what can I do, work from home, but have that same type of job that I have now at HBO in television? And believe it or not, um, I, when I, after I got married, there was this, this still this, this like thrill of planning my wedding. And I said, you know, I just love that whole, that whole feeling. And it was exciting and it was creative. And it, sl- it closely paralleled what I was doing at HBO beginning, middle, end. The process was there. So I started looking into the wedding planning business. And back in 1992, 93, it wasn't as popular as it is now, but there was a, an, there were organizations. So I started going to meetings and I went to meetings and I met vendors and I met photographers and bands and uh, floral designers. And I would just go to meetings like once, twice a month. And I would come home feeling so inspired and so fired up. But someone said to me, don't quit your day job to do this. You have to really build up a network first and, um, and make sure you're, you're settled because, again, it's not, you're not going to make money right away and you just don't want to leave what you have. So um, I didn't have a choice. Basically, six months into my pregnancy, my division folded at HBO. So with that, I said to my husband, I said, that's it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to start up this business. I'll be home with the baby. And long story short, um, my first job was through one of my voiceover talents. He hired me. He said, my sister-in-law is getting married at my house next year in Connecticut. Now, mind you, all of my vendors were New York and New Jersey. So now I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? All my vendors are here. Everyone that I've met, all these relationships I've cultivated are here, not in Connecticut. So I said, okay, another little challenge. And uh, I took it on and uh, planned this wedding. I could have run home after that wedding from Connecticut. That's how happy, that's how inspired I was. I, it was initiation by fire, no doubt. Uh, but after that, I never looked back. Um, at that point, had you like, do you have an official company going? Or was it sort of like, this was your first, I'm going to give it a shot, sort of as a friend? Like, how were you, were you incorporated at that point? I, I actually just became an LLC, so that's it. I was an LLC, did not have a business plan. 
back door. I mean, I literally just went into this business like, let me just try this. So there was nothing real set up. You know, I didn't go to a lawyer. I didn't have a business manager. I didn't have anything other than just motivation and um, this, this desire to be home with my baby. So I said, whatever it takes, I want to be home with this child that I'm going to have. And uh, and it worked. It just worked. I, I stayed home with her. I had uh, a babysitter and I would just, you know, meet with clients, go out on appointments, um, kept cultivating more and more relationships, building that network, that arsenal of, of vendors that I needed and uh, never advertised. It was all word of mouth. That was the other thing because I was afraid. See, again... I was afraid to take on too much. I was just kind of, you know, okay, let me just, whatever I'm getting is good. I'll just keep it steady. And looking back, that was probably the best thing. Mm -hmm. Now I wouldn't advise that. I would just say, go for it, advertise, you know, Instagram, all of that. Of course, that wasn't around back then. Um, But back then I had to just, you know, keep it slow and just steady. And I didn't want to... Um, jeopardize anything. I said, I'm taking care of someone's wedding. I mean, that's the most important day of your life. So I wanted to make sure I was, you know, doing the right thing. And I just loved every, every minute of it. And I, you know, it was a juggling act, definitely. Um, By the time I had my second child, we were starting to outgrow our apartment in Hoboken. So then we had to move. And, um, you know, that was another challenge. Now I have to pack up. I have to move. Now I'm not going to be close to the city. What do I do? But I think through every process and where everything that you go through, you, you meet a challenge, but you have to just kind of, you know, power through it. And that's what I always did. I never really thought about it much. I just did it. And I did it because I looked at now my two children and said, I I can't leave them. I want to be home with these kids. I want to, I'll make this work no matter what. So the late hours were still happening. I mean, it wasn't that I had a, you know, easy street at home. It was still, um, you know, just trying so hard to juggle everything possible to make it work. Um, And then I had my third child. And so I have three daughters. And um, again, it just made it even more um, important to me to stay with them because I said I did it with the other two. I've got to stay, you know, with the, my last one. And um, not that it got easier, but I think I became a little bit more um, adjusted to this frenetic schedule that I had. Um, but the one thing I will say, being home with them was it clearly outweighed having to do this and, you know, travel into the city and work for a company and not be with them. So I, I did what I had to do. And uh, it was, you know, it all actually paid off so beautifully. Would you think, um, even with the timing between the first child and the third and how just technology every minute is changing, did that make it a little bit easier working from home from your first to your third as well? Um, it's It was, it wasn't actually still back then. I mean, I was, I had a computer, I had a fax machine, I had a phone, didn't even have a cell phone when I started this business. So that's how crazy it was back then. But you know, the work still got done. Um, every T was crossed, every I was dotted. My clients never even knew what was going on behind the scenes. They just didn't. I wouldn't share that with them. They knew I had children, but I did what I had to do because I think that I just wanted it so badly and I wanted to be home. And I said, you know, whatever it takes. So yeah, as of course now, as as technology had you know come into play, it made it much easier that you can email or put something mm-hmm. in a draft folder and send it the next day or text someone. I mean, of course, it's I think it's so much easier now to run this business without a doubt. But it, you're also so accessible too. So there's like you know, it's like right. a double twenty four seven now twenty four seven. Oh, absolutely, double edged right. sword. But um, I think I establish um, a relationship with my clients right from the beginning, and there are you know 
boundaries that I have to set, um, not just for myself, but also for my family. I have mm-hmm. to respect that. I, I need to have that family time. And I think that's when someone says, oh, can, can you have it all? You can have it all if you put some boundaries in place. You really need to do that. You need to take care of yourself, your family, and you have to know that you know, not everyone can have access to you all the time. And it's a hard thing when you have your own business because you want to get it all done. But um, I've learned that that balance, finally, after 23 <laughs> plus years in the business, I finally learned what I have to do. So many women starting out, a big fear is, you know, I want to maintain my flexibility. I want and and almost certain extent the fear of success because if I do become successful what does that mean what will that entail how much of a commitment does that mean as opposed to the flexibility I want to maintain was that ever a fear that you had going into this or were you not even at that point you just this is what you wanted to do and you were going to make it work yeah it's it's so funny I actually had manifested in my I mean I did I said I want to have this business I want to be home with my children so I kind of just got to that point I never thought it would get as big as it has and I just kind of took it one day at a time but every every event that I did everything that was coming my way and I would it would be thank God, successful, it just kind of propelled me to do and take on a little bit more. And then with that, I took on, you know, hiring some people to work with me. And I, in the beginning, I worked, um, I did it all myself. And that was not smart at all, Mm -hmm. because you can't, you, um, you absolutely can't spread yourself thin. And I remember thinking, you know, in order for me to grow, I'm going to have to bring on some, some other uh, people to help me and, and really, you know, do the do the right thing by the business by my clients um you know take the support where where I was getting it from which was so many young girls were wanting to get into the business and I mentored so many girls because I was mentored by someone very special in in Connecticut who helped me so I I always give back I always make sure I you know, answer the question, answer the call, answer an email from a young girl or a young guy that wants to get into this business. Um, I truly feel you have to do that in order to grow and to, you know, to really receive a lot more in your life. You do have to give back. And um, like I said before, three daughters, I want nothing more than for my daughters to, you know, experience the same. So I always feel what you do, you kind of get back. And again, I'm doing it for my daughters, not necessarily for me. I want, right. I want to set the the path for them. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's always, it's always a a learning curve. Um, I still learn in this business. You never stop. Um, I always say you don't learn as much in a book about this business. It's really being in the field. Mm -hmm. It's, um, being at events and it's being with people and, um, just talking and networking. It's so important to hone your skills and sharpen them and keep them, keep yourself, you know, cutting edge with everything. So when you began, it was sort of, so your wedding was sort of your inspiration to, or I guess your wedding sort of allowed you to realize this passion that you had, sure, this underlying passion, which was consistent, like you said, with your skills of a beginning, a middle, and end. And at first it was weddings. Do you go beyond weddings or how do you, and, and, and where do you stop? Like, how do you know when this is something that it's really exciting, but it might be too much? Like, how do you? How do you balance that? Well, it's that's a great question, Kathleen. It started off with weddings. And I always say, if you can do a wedding, if you can plan someone's wedding, which <laughs> is high stress, heightened emotions, you can pretty much do anything. So it started to uh, go into corporate. It started to go into more social events, um, bar bat mitzvahs, sweet 16s, um, special birthdays. 
um, just all of that. So it covers the, covers the gamut with any any events. And then I started getting more involved in charity events, so fundraisers. And I found that you know this is wonderful because now I can use my skills and give back even more. So um, I do actually three big charity events every year pro bono. And um, there's nothing better. There is nothing better than knowing you're using your skills and you're helping an organization. You're helping them raise money, but I'm doing what I love so I can surround them with my vendors and the people I know and I can negotiate good prices. And it's just great because I know I'm going to give them business. I know I'm going to give my vendors business so I can go to them and say, listen, we need your help. We need your help so I can push a little bit because I've never been like the salesperson type. I always felt, oh, I don't want to ask anyone for anything, but if I know I'm giving them business and then I need them for charity events, you betcha I'm going to ask them. And I don't feel, I don't feel bad. I just feel like, you know what, I'm so passionate about that particular charity. I want them to come aboard with me as well. So, um, so yeah, to answer your question, it's really anything and every event possible. So weddings were, you know, really where I started, um, but it's not where I stopped. So um, I do, I love any, any events. They're all, they're all fun. They're all different. Nothing's cookie cutter. So exciting. Did you, so Again, your experience at HBO and what you had done helped you with this. Did you have to do, and for those out there who are considering getting involved with mm-hmm. this, is there any further schooling you have to do or, or what do you recommend as far as, um, like you said, keeping up with everything? How, how do you do that? Well, what I do is I'm, I'm always reading different things about the business and, of course, net, networking, going to meetings galore, just trying to keep myself, you know, as, as you know, on point with everything and all the trends because again you know these brides are very savvy today they know everything they have access to the internet everyone's on instagram everyone is you know talking so you really do have to keep yourself you know right up there with them um but anyone that that is looking to get into this business i always say to them if you're still in college minor in psychology and major if you can in business because you're going to need the business backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned that the, through the back door, the business right. background. You need business. You need to understand the, the way this, this uh, you know, my business and event planning business is set up. But you also need a psychology background because you're dealing with so many different people. Um, I always say the planning is easy. It's the people mm-hmm. that are, they're coming at you. They're, it's very, um, you know, emotional, again, uh, you don't know what's going on in the families. And I, I always say, I'm not trying to pry, but tell me about your family. I always ask. What am I walking it, into? Well, yeah. And, you, <laughs> right and you, you cannot even believe what is going on in certain families. But I feel the more you know, the better you're going to be, the more of an advocate, an advocate you can be for your clients. Um, and it's actually exciting because, you know, you're still the outsider. So you can say certain things and you can do certain things. And the client appreciates it because they don't want to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I have a very diplomatic way of going about it. And I, I find it, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge for me to come into a situation and assess the situation and go, okay, this is what we're going to do. Because I think we all come from crazy yeah. families and we all kind of know what it's like. And, um, and so, I'm sure any event, like 
intensifies the stress on top of it anyway. Beyond. So walking into a wedding, there could be something little, but it's now like really big right. that you've got to deal with. That's right. Well, we try. We really try so hard to flag that in the beginning. And I and I do ask you know very specific questions to get that information so that we're not blindsided. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we ha- we didn't see it coming. You know, the uh, the best man is uh, an alcoholic, right. and now all of a sudden he's missing and or he's passed out, <laughs> and we have to have a backup. So. I basically could tell stories upon stories about things that have happened, but the more we know about the family, we can kind of, you know, circumvent certain things and make sure that we have a, a plan B in place. So there's always those, you know, okay, if this happens, we know what we're going to do. If that happens, we know where we're going to go with this. And it's so exciting. The day is never boring. That is for sure. And um, I always just go into every event. I say a little prayer and then I just go, okay, just keep everyone safe today and whatever happens, we're going to just spring into action. And it's exciting when it happens, maybe not to the client, but I always say to them, we've got your back. We've got you. No matter what, we're going to figure this out. So be in the moment, enjoy it. We'll figure it out because there's really nothing that shocks us anymore. Such a, I, you know, I never even thought of that part of it. I mean, there's a huge other backside part to this, like you're saying sure. about what happens with... Like you said, someone has an issue, someone has a problem, somebody gets in a fight, somebody storms off. Right. And that falls on you so that that client can maintain this amazing day and mm-hmm. this memory and nothing will, you know, tarnish anything about that day. That's right. Um, do you have any stories that you could share, maybe uh, maybe funny events that happened to avoid tarnishing the event that you sort of had to kick into gear really quickly and figure it out. Sure. I have a story and the names will be kept for, you know, protection and no one will know who they are. But um, a few years back, I actually had a groom um, get arrested right before the ceremony. And we were supposed to have a first look. And if if you want to know what a first look is, it's just when the bride and groom are supposed to meet for the first time. And we do a whole photo shoot so that they can get their portraits out of the way get into the ceremony and then after the ceremony they don't have to be pulled out for too long to have their portraits taken so um, the bride wasn't so keen on that she actually wanted to not see her groom before the ceremony and a few of her friends and some of her family had convinced her you know this is good it's a time saver this and that so lo and behold um, we get to the wedding venue and um, it was a military base and the groom had a uh, expired Uh, military card and it was confiscated and uh, as soon as the military police officer turned around he grabs it off of the table and sped off well that didn't work (laughs) and because he said oh I had it's had a sentimental value I wanted to keep the card well guess what military police followed him he was brought down to the police station and we got a call that uh, this happened so when I got to the venue um, the mother of the bride emergency room nurse. I mean, she's under stress all the time. And I looked at her and I said, how's it going? And she told me what happened. And she said, what are we going to do? She goes, well, we have a first look coming up in less than a, an hour. And I don't, we can't say anything to the bride. And again, I'm not mentioning any, any names. Right. She goes, we're not saying anything to the bride. And I said, okay. So um, we went down to the jail and um, we explained everything. And he was released, thank God. Um, but it was, wait, it was too late. He he had to still take a shower. So we got him ready, went back to the bride and said, you know what? 
we're going to respect your wishes and we're not going to do the first look because we don't really think you want to do it because we, we remember hearing how much you didn't want to see him before. She was so happy. She said, this is great. I really didn't want to see him before anyway. So this is great. And she had no idea. So he gets to the church. His hair is soaking wet. He had quickly shaved. So he had a, um, a cut on his neck and it was one of those things. We're just trying to clean him up. And, uh, she didn't know until after the honeymoon. No one said You're anything. Kidding. They never told her until after the honeymoon because we all went out to lunch after. Uh, they got back from their honeymoon, and then she told me, you know, I can't believe. How did you guys hide oh this from me? God. She goes, I thought he looked a little um, frazzled, you know, when I saw him. She goes, but I just thought he was nervous. And I said, I'm so happy that that's what you thought because you don't even know what we were doing. We were literally jumping through hoops and just trying to keep it going. Everyone knew but her. So that was a story in, in itself. And, you know, there's been so many others, just family things and, you know, just a little drama going on. And it's just so, but we, we just, you know, it's like you have to, the show must go on. We just keep it going. And I think that's also that television background mm-hmm. in me where you have to just keep going. You don't stop. And I think that's when the like the adrenaline kicks in and it becomes like okay we gotta do this and then everyone's working together it sounds crazy but I love that I love that part I don't want to you know I I want to invite it in you know too often but um, when it does happen that's when we go okay this is this is what we do for a living and we have to help this situation out and keep it going and at the end of the day it's um it's gratifying it's it makes you feel like okay we, we did this we pulled this off and everyone was good and safe and they had a great time so um um, that's part of the rush, I think, of this business. It's never boring, that's for sure. But like you said, you have to sort of be prepared to get that production on. Always. Whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. So has there ever been a time in all of this and with all the crazy stories that you've thought, wait, this is too much? Like I've, I've got these kids and I've got to like deal with these kids, <laughs> what's going on in these weddings or whatever it is. Has there ever been a time when you sort of sat back and said, I, I need a break from this or it's not right or or when that did happen, what was it that turned you and said, no, 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 you're in the right place. You need to keep doing this. It's That's a great question, Kathleen, because there are so many times where I, you know, I reach a point and I'm so busy and I'm, I feel, you know, oh my God, I can't spread myself anymore. Like, this is crazy. And then the event hits and it's almost like that is the payoff. And when you get the accolades, it's crazy. I could some days I'm like, I don't even care if I wasn't paid to do this. The accolades and the appreciation that you get keeps you coming back for more. So the answer to your question is I do get to a certain point and then all of a sudden I get pulled right back in because of that feedback. And it's not always a hundred, a hundred percent, you know, you know, oh my gosh, we had the best time. There are certain things that do happen and it's unfortunate. And I'm going to be honest, you can't, you know, you really don't know, um, how certain people are going to react to certain things and you can't control their happiness. There are some people that are just not happy people, no matter what you do. And, um, but I know at the end of the day, we did all we had to do. We hit our, our marks there. Maybe they're, maybe they're not happy because it's a personal thing going on in their life. But, um, but I know I can look back and say, okay, we did everything we needed to do for this event. And then it's the vendors. We're all like so excited about it. It's a, it's really like a team effort. I think that's what it is. I love that camaraderie. Um, and that's what keeps you in it. Uh, you have to be passionate about it. You, there's no way you could be in this and not have that that drive and that fire in you. Um, and if I lose that, then I have to get out of the business. But the answer to your question is I still have the fire in me. I really do. I still want more. But I think 
you also, and I think you're, you're humble in explaining this, that it's just not the fire. I think you have to have the compassion mm-hmm. and the sympathy and the humility. I think sure. those have to come into play Absolutely. Because I'm sure there are many times you sort of have to step back and things go on that being humble in certain situations is, is, is probably a pretty necessary, uh, attribute to have. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I don't think that's, that comes naturally to many people. Yeah, no. And that's, that's the other thing. Um, I think just deep down, I like helping people. I like helping situations. I like seeing, you know, a process through and, and I like the feeling of knowing that I was able to be a part of that. So, um, the answer to your question again is, yeah, not everyone is going to be easy to work with and you try and you try. Um, but I think I, I do say to them, I'm your advocate. I'm here for you. Cause a lot of times they'll question certain things. And I say, well, you hired me to do certain things. Allow me to do my job. I will not steer you wrong. I will put you in front of the right people. Um, and then a lot of times they do, they, most of the time they do come around and they, they understand that. And then after the events, they have this sigh of relief. And then, you know, you did a good job when they tell a friend or a family member. So, um, yeah, you can't please everyone, but the ones that you do please, um, the ones that you can be there for, it it really does. It's just the best feeling in the world. I I absolutely love it. And um, I can't think of another profession that I would want to be in. Honestly, I can't. I actually, yes, if I could be a professional dancer, that's, that would be my, (laughs) my dream. And I do dance on the side and I love it. And that's my outlet. So that's another thing. Got to take care of yourself. So, right. So again, we were talking about sort of the, for those of you out there interested in in this career, which is an amazing career, because I think it incorporates many of our skills. Like anyone who's a mom at home or anybody, just in general, if you're good at organizing and sort of understanding people and and um, you know you're creative and you can combine all of those talents for somebody else and you can understand what they see and you can make it happen for them. But. When you has there been a time when someone's come to you and you said, "I just can't"? Like, have you, have you just kind of known, like, you've given it your best, but there's just something there that it's just not going to work? And what do you do if that happens? Okay, so in the beginning of my career, I kind of just took anything and mm-hmm. everyone, and you know, you, you you really you hit a couple of stumbling blocks, and then you you wonder like, why did I take this on? Because there's, these people are difficult, or they just don't understand, you know, the process, and nothing I do is right. So um, now, what I do is I do ask certain questions right from the beginning, and I really get to know them. I never even talk about the plans in the beginning. I talk about I let them talk about themselves and I collect information. So anyone that's looking to get into this business, that's what I would say to them. Let the client talk. You know, this is why we have one mouth and two ears. Let them talk. Listen, really take everything in. There are certain things that you would, um, you're going to pick up on without a doubt. And there are, there are things now that I look for. And if I hear, um, them say certain things, uh, you know, well, yeah, I, I hired, you know, I had hired or I tried to hire three other planners just didn't work out that kind of thing. Um, you know, they just didn't know what they were doing. And this, so I always Have wonder. Have they said that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they, 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 didn't know. they, and I often, <laughs> I go, terrifying. <laughs> I know, because then I think, okay, like it seems to be like, you know, maybe the, um, the, the, the issue is not with them. Maybe it's with you. So I'll ask a few more leading questions just to get more information. And nine times out of 10, it's my gut. It's your gut. You have mm-hmm. to listen to your, 
your voice, your inner voice. And if you hear certain things and you don't think, and you just get that feeling, I always say, you know, to my daughters, you know, you're, you're, your gut is never going to steer you in the wrong direction, you know, so just listen, listen to your inner voice. And if it's not right, gracefully bow out, walk away. Something else will open up. Um, and there are, I mean, moms that I have hired to work with me who, again, are so organized. Mm-hmm. Um, they're home with the kids. They need something to do. But they have this these, you know, this skill set that is so, you know, crucial undervalued to what I do. Oh, too. oh, so undervalued, but so valuable in what mm-hmm. I do. I love hiring moms. I love hiring teachers because they're organized. They get it. Um, and they're used to working multitasking. And everyone says, oh, you can't multitask. Guess what? Moms multitask. There's no doubt about it. So when I see those that skill set, I'm like, that's who I want. I want the ones that know how to do that, that are passionate, mm-hmm. that are driven by, you know, the excitement of, of helping others. That's basically it. And really being, um, compassionate, pleasant, um, not a, not a doormat, but you, you definitely have to take on a lot. And I do. And because of that, maybe we'll get to this later because of that, you really need to take care of yourself. So that's like part two of what I learned in this business. If you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot take care of anyone else. So it's, so important to have an outlet, whether it's yoga or running or dancing or meditation. That is the second part of, of what I do now, and it's um, imperative that I have that in my life. Was that something you were always aware of, or is that something that through the years you've sort of learned to realize the importance of? Yes, I, I didn't do it in the beginning. I've always been athletic, always worked out and loved it, but I didn't realize how important it was, what a, what an essential component it is in order to be successful. You cannot deplete yourself of sleep, of energy, of food, all of that. So it wasn't until I want to say my mid to late thirties that I realized if I'm not good, nobody's good. I cannot keep this pace. So I started doing yoga. I started meditating, um, dancing, of course. Um, and when I did all those things, I was taking time out. And in the beginning, I felt guilty. I said, oh, I can't do this because I, I need this time to do work. But then I realized the more I did that, the more energized I was to continue my work mm-hmm. and do it with a clear head. So it is just, it is twofold in this business. I don't, I actually, I don't care what business you're in. As a woman, you need to fuel yourself because a man can work and maybe go to work nine to five and be there and just focus on that job. With women, you're home, you're juggling, uh, juggling so much. I would be home doing my work, a load of laundries going. I got the dishwasher. I've got the, you know, the dinner on the stove. I'm helping my daughters with homework and I'm also planning someone's wedding. So it's, you know, it was a multitude of things going on at the same time. And I thought, okay, the one thing that I'm not doing is I'm not taking care of me. So once I got that into the mix, it made everything so much nicer. I felt better. All of a sudden I had more energy. I felt like, this is good. I need to fuel myself. And I always say, um, you know, just hydrate your body, not just, you know, with fluid, right. just hydrate right. yourself with all of that good. And you will sustain the crazy pace if you want to have your own business. There's no doubt. And you can do it that way. And in this line of business and with event planning, and we always talk about moms or and women just in general, anybody switching to something else. And how do you translate what you've done? as a mom, as whatever it is you're doing, mm-hmm. how do you translate those skills into this next path, this next you know, lane that you're now in? Um, what are some of the skills that you look for? Let's say if you're hiring somebody mm-hmm. or if somebody's looking to come into this world, 
what skills are necessary and important and helpful? So one of the main skills, the one thing that I will always look at, um, the person that I hire to be with me on my team, they've got to be true. They've got to be pleasant. They've got to be a hard worker. Um, they've got to be someone that takes the initiative. I don't micromanage. When I work, I want to empower who's ever working with me. And that's what I say to them. You've got it in you. Uh, maybe you were in the workforce a few years back and you had your children. But obviously, just to even have children, to maintain a household, you've got to have something that you're doing right to do this. So I pull that. I try to get that out of them. And it's amazing how they just become like a little flower. It's like, you know, they blossom right in front of me because they feel like I was not you know, able to do this. And it was never appreciated when I was doing it because again I think we all feel okay our children our families are so important there's no doubt but it's not a job where someone's saying to you every day thank you thank you thank you great job oh you're doing terrific <laughs> every day how about every anytime uh, any, anytime so <laughs> we ever heard it <laughs> you really don't I mean you of course later on in life you know now my daughters right, are older right. mommy thank you so much thank you for this and they're I so see appreciative now why. <laughs> right and you and you actually get like you see the return on your investment which I always say this is the best because now my daughters they get it but when they're little and you're going through this and any mom that's in this right now hang on it will pay off just if you can work with someone you know again I'm always open and and taking applications it's you know if anyone wants to get into this business it's something that you could do even part-time because I hire women to be with me just at events you know if you don't have the time you know to do office work or whatever you know just to be at an at an event with me to see it through and and to um you know to be there because there's always I need many hands on deck so I would say whatever it is that you love just you know just don't give up so when you're saying that now, so if there is somebody and you're in the, in the New Jersey area, yes. what area, how far do you go? It depends on where my clients are. So um, right now, I mean, I'm pretty much in the tri-state area. I'll go New, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. Um, I will go further if, if the need is there. But um, I think the beauty of being in this area, it's everything is right here. You don't really have to travel too far. Um, and I have established my business here. I have all my vendors here. So unless it's uh, you know someone real close or a client that I really, really you know have connected with, I will travel. But I try to keep it so that I can do what I do, still love it, and not have to really spread myself and so thin mm-hmm. again and, and travel and be away from my family. Because that's the whole point of what I did and what I've built is to, you know, to have it here. So, um, yeah, I try to just stay more local these days. So in your world, I would imagine, so people come to you with their visions and their dreams, and it could be something that you're not familiar with. So is there a lot of research that goes into this, or how do you adapt to something you're not familiar with at all? Okay, so that's that's a good question because I, I have so many brides that come to me because now with Pinterest and Instagram and they see these, you know, incredible centerpieces and these, you know, beautiful decor arrangements and um, you know, dresses and things and, you know, everything is, you know, what you see on, on the internet is just incredible and they may not have the budget for it. So they're showing me what they want, but in reality, it's not what they could afford. So I see everything and I always say, this is, you know, I know you're trying, you're painting your picture and that's wonderful. I can pretty much find anything. There's, there's a vendor out there for 
everything and anyone, but it's a matter of just making sure you you're surrounding your client with the right people in the right price points. So there's always that conversation and I and I never crush their dreams. We sit there and I just say tell me about your what 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 you want, you know, what is, what is your you know, what is your event mean to you and if it's a wedding, if it's a corporate, if it's, you know, another social event, I ask them, you know, what are you looking to do and what's the most important thing to you? So I let them talk and we start to build from there. And, um, and then I do explain to them, you know, certain things are going to cost, you know, a little bit more. There's another way to do it. And I give them creative suggestions and ways to do this so they don't break the bank. Cause I'm very much about, you know what, we can still have a gorgeous tablescape with candles and, you know, beautiful, you know, just some garland or whatever, but you don't have to go crazy. Although I love flowers, if they don't have it in their budget, let's try a different way. So I really do make sure I align myself with them and never crush their dreams, but there's another way to do it. So that's how I really build that relationship from the beginning with them and, and let them know that there are other, you know, ways to do this. Um, but there's always a challenge. Oh, always. I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, with Pinterest, you're seeing things that are you know, just outrageous and, um, it's sometimes it's hard to tell them, you know, well, that it's going to cost you a lot and that your budget's not allowing for it. Um, but we can modify it. We can, you know, figure out a different way to do this and, you know, still maybe achieve that similar look, but not for, you know, not with roses. Maybe we'll do some other flower or it won't be orchids or calla lilies, but we'll figure out another way to give you that look. And, um, and that's where I bring in my vendors who are just fantastic and work with me. And I'll say to them, you know, this is what they're looking for. What can we do? So there's always that, um, that conversation that's taking place and it's back and forth constantly. Which I think is a great message to get out there too, because many times you may feel I'm not in that economic arena that I can, you know, be, you know, I want this dream. I want this to be my perfect day but I can't afford what other people can afford that doesn't knock you out of the park. Right. You're still in like you, you, you can work with those that are in very, um, uh, you know, different economic fields. Sure. Sure. I actually, um, one of my favorite weddings, believe it or not, was years ago and it was in a VFW club and it was, we did a before and after, and it was just the guests came in and they were so wowed by, we did pipe and drapes. So we covered the walls. So you didn't see the walls and we used, it's amazing what you can do with uplighting. And we had some pretty linens and we did some low, um, arrangements with candles. And, um, I just remember that bride was so happy because she said, this is all I could afford. You know, what could we do with this space? And I remember that to me had so much meaning. It was a lot of heart and soul put into it. And I remember thinking, you know what, we made something that no one would ever think could be prettied up. And we did that. We actually transformed a space that people were walking in and saying, oh my gosh, I've been here for other events. Like this can't be the same space. It made the bride feel good. It made, of course, myself and my team. We all felt so good about it. And I, I remember thinking, you know, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. As long as you have a dream and you have a vision, um, we'll work with it. We never, ever, you know, shoot someone down and say, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't work with you. I've never said that. I've never said to someone, I'm sorry, you know, I, you don't have the budget, I can't work with you. To me, again, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. We'll do whatever we, it takes to get them to that day because to them, that's important. That day is so important. And I always think, you know, again, I have three daughters. They may not be able to do what they want to do. And we, you know, we can't afford to give them, you know, a wedding at the plaza, but we can certainly do something that's going to have so much meaning. And I always say it's, it's not the big picture. It's all the small details that people remember. So, um, 
you know, I, always, I, I love that part. And I, and I think that's what um, makes what I do so special because I can um, help them with that. I, I have a team that loves to do creative things and, and make it special. And I empower them to do that. I'll say, okay, you have an idea. Let's go with it. Let's do it. And once they start running with it, it's amazing what else comes out of it. So now we're, you know, we're sparking creativity in, in these, these people that are, you know, these ladies that are working with me and even in the client, the client feels like, oh my gosh, I didn't think of that, but that sounds good. And they're open. And, um, you know, it just, that's where the beauty And I would happens. think that's a big, a great, uh, hint or, or helpful, you know, hint for those out there trying to start something. So in your business, it's not solo. You've got a team, you've got to partner with other people, but you all sort of have to be on the same your mission statement sort of has to be somewhat similar. I would think so when you go out to look for those partners and when you out to look for those vendors, they have to be on the same page as well with you understanding that this is not necessarily about the biggest, you know, paycheck that we can bring in, but it's more about really just helping somebody out there regardless of where they are and making it happen. And what would your advice be to those trying to start this up and trying to, Sort of discover if you are on the same page as vendors. You may really like a vendor, but their mission statement may be a little bit different than yours. So how do you go about negotiating that? Right. And uh, that's, again, I'm still doing that. After all these years, I meet with vendors all the time. I go to networking events. I go to different um, launch parties in Manhattan and New Jersey. And, you know, it's that initial conversation and you kind of know, you know um, how they are, how they approach their business. If If the conversation starts off right away about money, that's not good. All of a sudden you go, okay, that's their objective. That's not my objective. And I can't present that to my client because right. if they don't have it in their budget, I need to surround myself with vendors that really care are compassionate and passionate and are willing to work with, you know, whoever I meet, bring to them. And they, you know, I will bring them other clients that will help pay the bills. And I think they realize that. So um, the ones that don't have the big budget, they'll work with them because I think they'll say, listen, you know what, later down, later on down the road, um, we'll get those other clients. But for now, we just want to work together. And it's never about us. It's I always say it's never about us as the professionals. It's about your client. You have to keep that in the forefront of your minds and you hope that your vendors do the same because we're background. We are behind the scenes. So at the end of the day, it's, it's really about the client and having the day that they want. And you see what happens after that, you know, family, friends. I mean, I've had the smallest weddings and I've gotten the most work after that from those particular clients because they didn't think they could have something so special. But, you know, those are the most challenging ones, but those are the most gratifying ones because... You know, we make something out of nothing, really. And it's, you know, you can get married at a gorgeous venue with all the bells and whistles and they can have the biggest budget in the world um, and have the money to spend and do whatever. It's the ones that don't. And I, I think that's really, that's my soft spot. Um, I think I come from very humble beginnings with this business because I didn't start off with a business plan or any money, really. Right. I mean, it was just like uh, a hope and a dream and wanting to be home with my children. So my advice to any any mothers out there, you know, just just pull from whatever your passion is. If it's just being organized, if it's just like I want to just be busy for a few hours during the week and feel important and feel like I'm worthy and, um, you know, somebody needs my, my support and my help, 
then this is the business for you because it's so much about that emotional pull um, mm-hmm. and that support that you give someone and the accolades that come after. That's why I'm still in this. That's really, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And, and knowing that um, you made a difference in someone's day or event or And charity. I know we talked about that military wedding, which clearly had, you know, a huge impact on you. But if you were to pick one, and I'm sure there, it's very difficult to just focus on one. But um, one event that you put on that is so inspirational to you and to your children as well, that you're like, this is why I'm doing this. This way, I'm not going to stop. Is there one that you could share with us? Yes, there is one. I don't. I don't want to cry while I say this, but there was a bride who had a, um, a severe facial um, deformity on her left side. She was born that way. She had many, many surgeries growing up, and um, they didn't think she was going to live past twelve. So when her mom came to me, um, she said, uh, "We're having her wedding, and we're having it at a actually at the Ridgewood Women's Club." Isn't that funny, right? Yeah, where we're going to have our conference. So that's where the wedding was. And um, she was very self-conscious. But, of course, you know, Mary wants to get married, wants to have a wedding, wants to be like every other bride. And um, her mom said, but, you know, we're going to be really careful. She doesn't want she doesn't want the limelight. You know, she doesn't want to be up front. We're not going to do anything like toasts or anything like that, Christine. It's going to be very, very low-key. Well, let me tell you, at the wedding, she had so much fun. She was having the greatest day. She actually, she had a beautiful singing voice. She got up with the DJ. She just said, we had a DJ. It was very simple, very simple wedding. She grabbed the mic and she sang a song to her groom at the wedding in front of everyone. There was not a dry eye in the house. I know. I, and I remember thinking, this is incredible right now what's going on this is a bride that said no limelight mother said it a million times nothing we're not doing anything like a typical wedding we're not doing it we're just going to have a nice a ceremony and a nice dinner that's it I said okay and when she got up to sing I thought she's lost all her inhibitions she's so happy she's in the moment and she's singing to her groom I'll never forget that never and um, and the mom even said she didn't. She said, you know, I don't like weddings. She doesn't drink. I looked at her and she doesn't dance. The mom said, and I don't dance. It was like anti-wedding. It was weird. And I th- just thought, okay, I'll, I'll. But I liked the mom and I wanted to help her because right. I knew what the daughter situation was like. And all of a sudden, I look over. The mom is drinking a Diet Coke. She wasn't drinking alcohol, but she was drinking a Diet Coke. She was on the dance floor and I looked over at her and I said, oh, I said, someone's having a good time. (laughs) Face was red. She goes, and in spite of it, she said, I can't believe it. I'm having so much fun. She was shocked that she was having fun. And I said, that's what you're supposed to be doing. She felt guilty going into it to have fun if so concerned that her child might not and be worried. That's right. And what you gave both of them. And I didn't do it that way. I just said, listen, what I will grant your, you know, every wish. We won't, we're not going to push. I would never. I had a timeline and we didn't put anything like that in there. Um, the dad did give a toast, but that was it. And all of a sudden I see her grabbing the mic. I just thought this is so wonderful that she's actually having so much fun. And then the mom was relaxed and they were all dancing. I'll never forget that. It's just, it's it was, it was great. moment when you're like, and this is why. This is why. And this is why. I said, and it sounds so 
corny and all that, but I'm like, you know, it's a kind of a calling. I thought, I'm here. I'm witnessing something that is so much more than mm-hmm. just someone's wedding. This is like we're a breakthrough, a breakthrough in someone's life that she was so self-conscious and she would even talk to me and turn her head when she would talk to anyone that had to do with the wedding. And now she's in front of the, all the guests. There were about 120 guests there and in front of them singing in front of all these people. I just thought she yeah. no longer is self-conscious. She's in the moment. She's having a great time. And it was just a wonderful moment. All the hugs and kisses at the end of the wedding. And um, I left there that night and I just thought, I feel so blessed that I got to witness that. I said, this is so much more than just planning someone's wedding. This was a breakthrough for someone. And um, yeah, it, it makes me feel just very emotional. And I'm happy that I, I got to do that. And yeah, just it's it's good, a good feeling. Oh, it's a good feeling. I can't believe we have one minute left. I can't oh. believe this. I could talk about it. I, I'm now sitting here with chills and tears, oh, like hearing that story, because it's not about just the payment and what it costs. <laughs> and our producer, Preston, is handing us tissues, <laughs> but it's about the memory and what it means to somebody and how a tiny moment can affect someone's life forever. Absolutely. Yours and theirs. Right. And I think that's what's so spectacular about what you do. And it's, it's so beyond, like you said, it's it's so beyond the paycheck. It is. It's about what you've given to somebody and they will remember for the rest of their, their lives. And, oh, my God, we have one minute left. So very quickly, um, it was an absolute honor to have you oh, on tonight. You. And it's an even bigger honor that you'll be speaking at our conference on October 22nd at the Women's Club in Ridgewood. And clearly... Anybody who's local clearly needs to come hear Christine speak more. So you have to sign up immediately. Go to morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. If you'd like to come to the conference, we have Christine and nine other amazing women who will be sharing their stories and inspiring stories about their own experiences. But in turn, maybe something will interest you and will, you know, touch that spark in you and think, I can do that. I want to do that. I need to do that. So join us on October 22nd. And Christine, for those who may um, want to reach out to you or get in touch with you, what is the best way? Sure. Um, I have a website. It's um, Christine at CBC.com. And, or they can call me directly. I pick up the phone. It's 201-294-7944, um, CBCevents.com. That's, that's another way to reach me. Um, and like I said, I'd love to hear from anyone interested, you know, give them a chance. And, um, you know, we get back so much, uh, even by helping others. So if anyone wants to feel good and just use their skill set, this is, this is really the job I think that would help. And that's why we do this because you learn a lot more about it. Something you may never have known, right? but just know, I mean, sitting here getting chills, listening to your stories. I think we all need to get on this immediately. Um, again, I can't believe our time is up. Christine, I can't thank you enough. Oh, Kathleen, Preston, thank my you. producer. Thank you. And, uh, we'll see you next week. Good thank night, everyone. You. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Danny. Iowa. You may know me as an actor, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is my service to this country. In the Army, I saw firsthand how training and discipline instill a value that create great leadership abilities and a can-do spirit. Those same strong values stay with service members when they return to civilian life and enter the workplace. So remember to hire smart and bet on a vet. To learn more, call 888-44-SALUTE or visit saluteheroes.com.